0: Coach Pickett, what's going on, bro? I appreciate you doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, It's kind of a a neat way to get uh, noticed, um, you know, kind of out of the blue like that. So it's kind of neat that you reached out to me.
1: Yeah, man, I was, of course, I was uh, on vacation in Hawaii and I don't have Instagram, but I saw it. I I told my wife, find this dude. I need to podcast with him. (laughs)
0: Um, It's it's been happening like that since we started this whole thing. Um, It's been about uh, kind of about a year and a half, maybe a little more than that since the officially got going unofficially was before that but i can tell you the whole story behind that later but we get almost every day somebody reaches out and hey i'm filipino i want to be involved in this and um it's crazy and now that we're getting a little better at our social media game it's getting even more so
1: and, and you got merchandise which is off the hook and stuff we're going to talk about that because i want to talk about how you're coaching and building up baseball in the pearl of the orient but your playing days are pretty interesting so we can we talk about that for a bit Uh, I guess you can say it's somewhat interesting, but yes, of course. All right. I did some research about you and everything on the internet is true. So is it true you transferred to Long Beach state in the first year you guys went to the college world series?
0: Yeah. So that was pretty awesome. Um, I played two years of junior college baseball at college of the canyons, which is out in Santa Clarita, uh, California, a little North of Los Angeles. Um, we always tell everybody that's where magic mountain is. So that's how most people recognize it. Um, so I got to play two years there and then, so I don't know how much time we have. So the story is that a very good coach took over at Long Beach State. Um, he had taken his loyal Marymount teams to the World Series, I think a couple times, got the opportunity to coach at Long Beach State, which um, program wasn't very good. I had never even, even heard of it up until that point. And he basically turned it around in one year, um, got the job late, recruited mainly junior college transfers. We had a couple of freshmen, um, and really the, the kind of the most interesting was, was a guy that ended up being a first round pick Kyle Abbott. He wasn't even playing the year before and coach found him playing on a club team at UC San Diego and brought him in. And it was probably, um, not probably, it was one of the greatest experiences as far as learning the game a little bit more. Um, you know, the challenges that coach snow put on us and just the fact that <laughs> we ended up going to the college world series, um, basically after one year of just all new guys it was kind of amazing. And I don't know how much research you did, but we ended up beating a team, an Arizona team, that had some serious big leaguers on it. Um JT Snow was the first baseman, mm-hmm. Trevor Hoffman was the shortstop. Um God, I, my memory doesn't even serve me all that well, but it was an unbelievable team. And I don't know how we went in there and beat them at Arizona, but we did. And so it was kind of it was it was a really, really cool experience.
1: When you think Long Beach State baseball now, they're a powerhouse. They're one of the elite teams. Everyone knows them. And I looked it up. They were 14 and 45 the year before you got there. So I thought Coach Bill Pickett was the, the reason why. You know, I don't want to say you You show up one year. Coincidence, I think not. Nah, but that's a wild <laughs> ride to go from, like, nobody knew them to the College World Series. That's Cinderella. And he kept it going, which is kind of wild.
0: Well, and so they did. Um, you know, we originate that dirtbag's. You know, logo. Now it's official. Officially, they're called the dirt bags. That was us. Um, And I honestly didn't even remember the story. We had a reunion uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was our 25th. Um, And so we started talking about it, how that story came about. And it kind of happened because we didn't have a place to practice the whole year. Uh, (laughs) They were redoing our field. They were redoing what's now Blair's Blair field. Um, So we had nothing. And we used to go to this park that was a complete mess and just become you know, full of mud, just getting our work done. And so, and (laughs) we'd never washed our uniforms because we had nowhere to put them. And, (laughs) um, we, that's how it ended up being called the dirt bags. it stuck. So it it was, um, it was, and I I actually, it's funny you bring that up because I brought up this story a while with my Philippines, um, group when I first started this thing. Um, and I, I mentioned that because I, I don't know if he was prophetic or what, but coach snow brought us up sometime early in that season before it even started. And he said, you guys 30 years from now, you guys are going to look back on this and be the reason. And everybody's going to say, that's the team that got this whole thing started. And I, so I told the same thing to my, my Philippines kids. I like, Thirty years from now, you guys, you know, you may not be involved too much, and it may not be great right now. But in thirty years, you're going to look back and go, you know what? I was part of the very first team that got that rolling, and it's taken off. And Philippines has now become this—I don't want to say powerhouse, but let's hope it gets to that power because I think they do have the potential to become the powerhouse at the international and in the international game. I really do. So yeah, it's it's great that you brought that up because I actually forgot that I had, you know, talked to the the group about this stuff, uh, the Philippines group.
1: You mentioned JT Snow and stuff. What other studs did you play or uh, play with in the World Series? If you remember any's like any um, obviously oh, Kyle yeah. Abbott was a stub, stud so. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, Kyle wasn't and um, still we we still talk every once in a while. Uh, we got really close while we were playing there. So, we got um, we lost our first two games. We played LSU in Texas and um Kirk was the one who started against us at Texas. He had a had a brief career and fortunately mm-hmm. got hurt. Uh, we actually played together in the minor leagues and I just, I thought he was one of the best pitchers I'd ever seen. Um, and just professional really knew what he was doing. And he got a little, I think he got a cup of coffee and just, he was always hurt. Unfortunately. Um, ben McDonald was on that. Oh, LSU, wow. Okay. The Orioles. Yeah. But he didn't pitch against us. I think it was um, uh bird. Um, God, his first name. What's his first name? He pitched in the big leagues for 10, 15 years. He's the one that started against us. Um, I, I believe so for LSU. And so, yeah, we lost those first two games. But we were just – we were amazed that we were even there. Um, so it was just kind of like icing on the cake that we got to got to play the two games in, at Rosenblatt. It was old Rosenblatt, not the new one.
1: Uh, now everything – you can look up now. You can see draft uh, projections five years down the road. It's on TV. It's on Twitter. It's everything. Where were you in 1990 when you get the call and how did you get the call that you were drafted? Um, I was actually
0: in Palm Springs. Um, I was there with my dad. Um, And my future wife, she wasn't my wife at the time. Um, So I always could look back now because I say to myself, I don't think I would ever gotten drafted now uh, in this day and age. Uh, Wasn't that kind of player. I was fortunate. I had a gentleman, uh, his name was Craig Wallenbrock. He's actually pretty well-known hitting instructor. He's with the Dodgers organization, kind of um, a consultant, and was very instrumental in getting the now uh, baseball coach, Robert Bonskoyak, uh, for the Dodgers i um, getting him involved. And so he followed me my entire career um, started in high school. He was a scout at the time. I think he was with the White Sox. And um, he just stuck with me. He saw something in me and um, put me on yeah. his scout teams during the summer. Um, and not to sound like an old man, but that was the time when scout teams were really scout teams. Yeah. Like, scouts ran them and they only taught brought in guys that they thought had a chance to play professionally. It didn't charge; they didn't charge us anything. Um, so he stuck with me and he kept telling me, um, and something he always had always stuck with me with him was, you're the type of player that's going to have to prove that you can play. There's a bunch of them out there that have to prove they can't, you have to prove you can. So I'm going to keep following you and I'm going to follow your career at some point. You're going to prove to me that you can play. And so, um, I, I, he just followed me all through high school and then as, uh, in college and finally as a senior um then I transferred from Long Beach actually that's another long story i got, i got drafted out of Cal State LA and um he followed me the whole time and ended up drafting me uh when he got a job with the A's and i that's who i got drafted by and and how did you find out you said you were in Palm Springs oh, oh just a, was phone it call. a phone call yeah he called um i mean he he said he was going to do everything he can to draft me and um, he did uh, got me kind of early. I didn't think I was that good <laughs> 11th round or 12th round or something like that. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he just called me and, you know, congratulated me. And then um, I forget when we met to sign the, the, the contract and it wasn't a lot of money. But um, yeah, it was awesome. I owe him, to, I owe him a lot. I, you know, he came to my wedding. I'm still friends with him to this day. Still friends. With him. So, yeah. 1990
1: draft. There were two players that made the Hall of Fame. Do you know who they
0: are? Oh my god. 1990. I'm not old. The guys are in my draft class or in the are in the Hall of Fame. Yes, they are. There's nobody from my – I don't know. That's Chipper, a great question. Chipper Jones, oh, Mike Lucina. That's right, Chipper Jones. Okay, yes. A- yes. And, and Moose, Mike Mussina was the other one. Yeah, I, I also, just looked it up. Not that, that I
1: knew it off the top of my head. No, no, that's <laughs> awesome.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't I should know that. Um I know that our our um the A's situation, I don't know if you look. Yeah. So they had, they actually had five first round picks and they, they fought, they drafted five pitchers. Um, and one of the most famous ones um, was Todd Van Poppel. Of course. Big time recruit, but from, and i and going back along, So if I remember everything correctly, I'm not sure. Um was supposed to be the first pick told everyone like I'm going to Texas. Don't draft me. I'm not going to go. And so because they had those five picks, they ended up waiting, waiting, waiting. I think it was pretty late, maybe even the supplemental draft that they picked him. And I guess they made him an offer that he couldn't refuse because he played with me uh, in Medford. He was on our team in Medford. Um, and that was kind of was kind of cool. But the other guys, you know, they all pitched for me or with me in that, that year. I can't remember everybody. T- uh, Zinkanero was uh, one of the names. Um, Dressendorfer was the other one. Uh, Peters was another guy. Um, I can't remember the last one. It's terrible. I should remember. But, um, yeah, that was kind of neat that year that they had that many drafts in in the first round or that many picks in the first round. Do you have your first baseball card displayed anywhere? I do. God, you're really pulling this out here. Um, This was actually I made for. Can I take it off the wall? Of course. I would love to see it. (laughs) Um, I have a bunch of them because I I made this for somebody and I got it back. Um, So I actually. Oh, that's cool. It looks so bad that I'm doing this in my own um, in my own uh, office. But, yeah, so I have a couple of them. Oh, that's so, great. And it looks like I'm very, you know, egotistical here. Though. Not at all. You're on a oh. baseball card. Are you crazy? <laughs> that's incredible.
1: You're, you're downplaying your um, success, I think, in your talent. You were drafted. You, you had over 200 hits in the minor leagues, only three years. Did you know – when did you know it was time? Like did you think about going maybe to Asia or to Latin America? And what made you know, okay, it's time at 23?
0: Um, You know what? It was it was kind of a, a cool thing. Um Man, you're bringing all kinds of memories back here. So um, I had just gotten married. Um, I got married in January of 93. It was, you know, my wife was in nursing school. Um, It was the only time that we could pull it off uh, because, you know, I was playing. And so it was the only break that we really had. So I got married in January 93, went to spring training. um, And our minor league uh, director said, hey, you know, we're going to release you, but we want to see if you wanted to go back um, to low a, um, to play there, um, to play for, um, a guy named Jones, uh, Gary Jones was his name, actually won the world series, I think as a coach with the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he coached me for a couple of years and (laughs) I remember him telling me how much that Jonesy loved me. Um, love he, and I, I looked at him and I'm like, are you, crazy. I don't know if he said four words to me in two years. Um, I had no idea that he appreciated me that much. Um, but he's like, yeah, he would love for you to go back to to Lowe, which was in Madison, Wisconsin at the time. Um, i had already moved up to high A the year before. And, you know, I just um, I got married and I don't know. Um, I, I just I, I told him I didn't want to do that. And I, to this day and I tell people this all the time. So this isn't just a line like I have zero regrets about not playing more. Um, I was, I was ready. Like I went directly into coaching and I didn't even, wasn't even trying to pursue that. It just kind of fell in my lap and I've been doing it ever since. Like literally, uh, May of 93 or, or even before that March of 93, I started coaching. Um, I started coaching in high school and I haven't stopped since that day. So I have zero regrets. It's funny because my last year I started catching. Um, I was just kind of a utility guy and I, I, I loved catching. And so I, I asked them if I could start catching. And I did the year before, you know, I, maybe 20, 25 games. I was the backup. And um it turned out like that next year, every single guy in the organization got hurt as a catcher. And who knows? I might have gone up to like triple A that year because all I remember is like every guy got hurt. Um, and I, I just that might be the only regret. Who knows if it would have happened. But no, it's been. Uh, it was a great run and I love the experience. Um there's nothing like playing in the minor leagues. Um, the grind and um it's the 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 different talent levels that you see, um the different personalities that you have to deal with. And so it's actually, you know, taught me a lot about coaching. Um, you know, that that autonomy that you have at that level. And so no, I I, I enjoyed it a lot. So yeah, I have no regrets about not going back. And I and back then, to be honest, Mike, they didn't have all this stuff. The independent leagues were Just barely starting. Um, And because I never really got out of A ball, there wasn't a whole lot of options as far as going into Latin America or, you know, Asian market or what have you.
1: Two more questions about your minor league career. It was uh, Southern Oregon, Madison, and Reno. You're 21, 22, 23. Did you enjoy that run? Because, you know, I have guys on the show that up and down, 29, 30, married, three or four kids, they hated it. Did you enjoy the
0: ride? Like, I'm in Reno, I'm in Madison at
1: 22 (laughs) years old.
0: I did. Um, you know, I, I've been, I've been together with my wife for 30 years and we were together five years prior to that. Um, so, um, so if you're asking that, like, <laughs> did I enjoy myself? No, I didn't. I didn't take advantage of that because I, I was, I was basically married, uh, which was awesome. So, but no, I had a great time and it was crazy back then because I tell this to my kids that I coach, like no internet, um, no cell phones, and so there were times we talk about this all the time. There were times when I wouldn't talk to her for a week, um, which doesn't seem like a lot, but, and I hadn't, she had no clue where I was being wherever I was. And it was not easy just to, Hey, I'm going to go on the internet and find out where you're playing or how you did. Or, um, and so there was a lot of times when we, and you know, we literally would see each other one time in the entire minor league season. Um, she would fly out and maybe see me one time and that was it. Oof. So yeah, it was a little bit of a grind, but no, it was, it was a, it was a great experience.
1: One last thing you played with a Tom, Todd Van Poppel, Tanyan Sturts, who came on before, uh, Rick, Genius, Rick Honeycutt. Yes. What other studs did you play with, play against
0: that stick out? Um, so, well, Giambi, uh, we never played together actually at Long Beach State or in the minor leagues, but you know, we knew each other from both. And so, um, probably one of my favorite people, just the nicest guy, um, and every year in the minor leagues get together, obviously for spring training. Um, my minor league guys, who did I play with that got up? There was a few Scott Light. was, was a guy mm-hmm. that got up with the A's, um, had a bunch of guys that got up. Ernie young got up a little bit. He was a little, and he got, he was on the actually USA team that won the gold medal. the Last time they won at Olympics, um, that a few guys on that team that I knew, but, um, I think um I think Billy Wagner was the guy that I gave him. Oh wow, was, okay. I think. Don't hold me. Down. I think I think he was in that league. But um I think the, the biggest uh, this is the my biggest aha moment. Um and probably this is probably when I knew that I wasn't gonna make it. Um one of the years in spring training, um I got asked to go up and catch some bullpens for the big league team. And um that was the year, you know, Maguire and <laughs> Koteco, uh Ricky Henderson Uh, Carney Lansford, and so I go in and and to get suited up. I'm in the big league dugout or big league clubhouse, getting dressed, and I look around me, and I see those guys. And you see them on TV, and they look big, but when you see them in person, it's a they're different human beings. And I'm I was five ten, one eighty maybe when I was there, and I'm like, I think that was the. And I tell everybody that story, like I think I'm done. Like there's no chance that I can compete against guys like this. They were just inhuman for lack of a better phrase. It was unbelievable. So that was probably that moment where I, I knew like this was going to be kind of a tough situation for me. So
1: uh, I'll make you laugh with that. Uh, I don't know if you're a basketball guy. So I was in eighth grade and Felipe Lopez was uh, the guy. He was, you know, the New York City cover sports illustrated. And I'm like, I'm this good three point shooter. I remember like, I'm going to go to college. I'm a Kentucky fan. I'll go play Kentucky. And I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, can you take me? I want to go watch Felipe Lopez. I think they'll play like Christ the King or somebody in New York. And we went there. And Felipe Lopez is three years older than me, four years older, dunking through the roof, had 45, 15 blocks. And I remember the guys he played against. And I remember my, my dad, we were driving home. My dad said, "Looked at me, he goes, you know you have no shot. I'm like, yeah, when I saw Felipe in person, so he, Felipe Lopez, he comes on the show all the time. I'm like, you crushed my dreams of making it to the NBA, bro. So, so I feel you when you saw Terry yeah. Steinbeck and those guys like, yeah, I can't compete yeah, with these no, guys. It, it,
0: yeah, it, it was amazing. Um, it was amazing how, how physical those guys were. It was crazy.
1: You mentioned at 23 you went right into coaching, and did you know you wanted to stay coaching? You knew you wanted to be a baseball life, or was it for you?
0: Um, I, I at the time I didn't. Um, you know, I had um, I actually had had a business that I started with my brother-in-law, um, in the pool business. I still have it to this day. Wow. And so I had something to fall back on. I, yeah. I hadn't finished my degree at the time when I got you know when I signed, um, and I just I didn't know what I wanted to do. But as soon as I was doing more private lessons than anything else when I first got out, um, and, and, one of the kids that I was giving lessons to said, Hey, I'm playing, you know, my first year of freshman baseball at Saugus High School, which is, you know, local high school here. And, uh, we don't have a coach. So I happened to know that the head coach of the varsity, um, uh, because I lived in this area and called him up and he gave me the job. And to this day, <laughs> I still have, um, connection with some of the kids on that team. And so they thought that this was what I was going to do with my future. Um, And and, and looking back on it now, yes, I think I knew that it was what I wanted to do. Um, It was just, was I going to be able to pull it off financially? Like, is it going to be, you know, am I going to be able to make enough money doing this? Yeah. I was fortunate with my other business that it gave me the time to coach and, you know, fortunately it gave me some, a little bit of financial stability. Um, but there are moments that I look back on and going, okay, that was the time that, you know, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Um, I always have this, um, this moment where this kid has no idea that he was this important to me in my coaching career. A kid named Kyle Jolly. I don't know if I'm allowed to cut anybody's name on here. Of course. Um, <laughs> And it was my first year coaching varsity baseball and I would coach the freshman team. And then I got called up to varsity to coach. And I was given working with this, this young man playing second base. And I was working on the same drill over and over and over again. And we did it, we did it, we did it and it clicked. And then it happened in the game and the exact same thing. we were working on going in the three, four hole using the right angle, um, you know, squaring your shoulder around, making that throw. And we just kept doing it over and over and it happened. And he, he came in and, uh, Excuse me, and he just looked at me and kind of looked and winked and smiled. Nothing was said, and it was mm-hmm. just you. I knew, like, okay, I just made an impact in this kid's, you know, baseball career. And that's kind of that's 35 something years ago, and I still remember it to this day, like how important that was to me. Yeah, now, now maybe that got, was the moment. <laughs> yeah, now
1: you got to fill in the blanks from high school freshman coach. You said you got called up to the varsity. Mm-hmm. How did that get to uh, Pierce College, and then coaching the national team, in the Philippines? Because that. I'm telling you, that jump is from, okay, high school, baseball, varsity, okay, college, and now coaching a World Cup baseball qualifying team. You have to fill in the blanks because that's wild.
0: Yeah, it was kind of cool. So um, I coached at at the high school one year, and then the junior college where I played, College of the Canyons, um, I obviously had a good relationship with the coach there. He needed somebody. And so I just went and volunteered. I wasn't making any money, but I knew that that was kind of – I wanted to get to that level. So I went there, um, coached for a few years, actually went back to a high school for a few years with an old friend of mine. Actually, my little league coach asked me to come coach. So I went to another for three years, 97, 98, 99. It was called Chaminade High School. to a uh, prep school here in Los Angeles. So I did that. And then um, I got called back to go to the College of the Canyons after that. So basically from 2000 to 2013, I was at College of the Canyons. And that's kind of when I, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. Uh, I'm not making any money. I gotta figure out like how I'm gonna, because my wife, God love her, I don't know how she put up with it. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a part-time job, part-time pay, but full-time hours. Yeah. And so I, I finally said, all right, I gotta go back to school. So I went back to school, finished my degree, because I got to teach. So teaching at a junior college is actually very lucrative. And I made much, much more money teaching than coaching. And so it kind of justified my time there (laughs) because it was an hour and a half a day where the coaching was more, but I ended up making a lot more money. And so I, I I finally got that, um, stayed there till 2013. And then I I left to go to, um, to Pierce. And when I got to Pierce, I'm like, okay, I got to give myself an opportunity to be a head coach. And the only way to do that was to get my master's degree. So I went back and did that. Wow. Wow. yeah, so I got my bachelor's at 40 39 um and then I got my master's um God, it couldn't have been 50 but anyway, it was like eight years later so wow I that's outstanding for about, for about five years because in order to get a head coaching job at mm-hmm. the called you have to have your master's degree now yeah, it was just crazy um, and so that's kind of the evolu- uh, evolution of it and I got the head coaching job at Pierce the following year like I went over there as an assistant, but the head coach left. And um, so I just kind of slid right in. <laughs> um, fortunately, the, the, the athletic director there was a guy that I've coached against, played against for years, and you know he gave me the opportunity, Bob Lefrano. And um, so I've been doing that ever since. And, and you
1: got to tell me how that because you, you're a California guy, everything's California to you, and now how it goes to the Philippines.
0: Okay, so. How much time do we have here, Mike?
1: Because this- <laughs> no, I'm telling you, when, when I reached out to awesome. you, I'm like, oh, this guy has a cool story, but I'm like, holy, <laughs> drafted all, everything in California except Madison. And all of a sudden now you're coaching the Filipino yeah. national baseball team, building so, the. It's wild.
0: It is. So, about. So, this, I'm actually, my son was. So, my son ended up playing for me at Pierce, um, two years at, at the junior college level. And during that time, <laughs> nobody ever believes this story. I tell this every single time that I talk to the Filipino um, contingent. So, I got a random phone call one day in my office. Um, A couple things were strange about that one. I'm never in my office, never. Um, And I never pick up the phone. That might've been the only time in my 10 years that I've ever picked up the phone. And I just felt like, so um, anyway, so I pick up the phone. It's a gentleman. Um, He starts asking me if I want to, if I would be interested in recruiting some uh, international players. He had a couple, he had one from Thailand and he had another one from the Philippines. So we're talking and he starts telling me about, you know, his son had played here in the States and um, immediately I could tell that he was Filipino um, from his accent.
1: Of course. Of course. So I, I,
0: I let him, I let him talk and we were talking, talking for about, and about 30 minutes in I asked him, I said, Hey, are you Filipino? Yeah. How'd you know? I said, well, my wife is Filipino. I've been married for you know, 25 years at the time. And so from that point forward, we're basically family um oh my god that's amazing da, 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 da. Uh, and so we have actually had a relationship since that day it called me all the time you know because he's very passionate about baseball and he always just felt like the philippines had more potential than they were you know grabbing onto. and so we kept up that relationship and he sent me those two players they both played for me the one from thailand and the one from um from the philippines And about maybe three years into it, he called me back again and said, hey, would you be interested in coaching the World Baseball Classic team, the Philippines team? Okay. Like, yes. I mean, are you kidding? In a heartbeat, whatever you need me to do. He said, well, I'm going to talk to the the leadership at PABA, Philippines Amateur Baseball Mm -hmm. Association. So basically like our USA baseball. And he said, I'm going to talk to them and see because we had a a gentleman that you might even have in the notes. Uh, I can never remember the name. The, so MLB basically just sent a former big leaguer to Australia, the prior world baseball classic qualifier and coached the Philippines team. And I talked to a lot of the guys that were on that team. Nice guy. Um, it's just, it's not that easy to come in one day and coach a team and then see what happens with it. And so this guy, his name's Oscar Marcelino, by the way, the one that called me from, you know, the Filipino. And, um, and he agreed with me like, Hey, they didn't take advantage of being in the world baseball classic and like promoting this and, you know, and, and lifting up baseball in the Philippines. And so when I was asked about doing this, um, I had to go meet the leadership at PABA. So they flew me out to Manila, January of 20. Um, and the, the, the world baseball classic was in March of 20 of that year in 2000. Yeah. So I got there, you know, I think they just wanted to see me I w- and they were so happy and ecstatic that I was willing to fly out there Um, by myself for literally three days. Um, I flew in on a Wednesday and I think I left on a Saturday and um, it was great. It was a great meeting and they were passionate about it and they want to see it grow. And I said, I go, look, I want to do this no matter what, but I want to know if you guys would support me building this program with Phil and players because half our roster was, Phil players sure. from, from here. And then, but I also I am very interested in seeing if we can build up baseball here in the Philippines because I didn't realize that baseball is huge there. Little league, um, kind of big in high school, and it kind of really just kind of drops off after that. But right in the middle of Manila is this hundred year old stadium, Rizal Memorial Stadium, that looks like it belongs in the Midwest League, whether it's in, you know, um where in Madison, Wisconsin, it could be. Unbelievable. And it's old and, and decrepit, and it had potential. And so I said to them, "I'm like, yeah, but can we build this up? Can we get some support?" And they were all for it. And so they're they're trying to do what they can. But that's how. So this is how this whole thing started. Uh, because uh, so I don't know if you saw the roster that we were going to take to that team, um, but it was you know Chase Darno. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his brother wasn't going to play with us yet until we qualified, but I had Tim Tebow that was playing with me cause he was born in the Philippines. And so we had some momentum and then all of a sudden COVID hit. And oh. it just, I mean, literally I was three days away from going like to, to Tucson and coaching with these guys. And just kind of, I was hoping so much to promote the Philippines baseball during that time. Um, and unfortunately it just didn't happen. Um, and so in that, in that time all during COVID I kept having meetings, Zoom meetings with um, the leadership. Um, Chicholay Zaga is, is one of the names, and Pepe Munoz, um, they, they're the, he's the secretary general for PABA. So we kept having meetings and kept having meetings. And I just I kept asking, and I want to make sure you guys are okay. But I don't want you to think that I'm, like, trying to take over here. I want to, but I want to build up these kids here, the fill-in kids, and give them that, possi- that, that opportunity to possibly play in the World Baseball Classic someday. Uh, and then during this whole process, I realized that these kids can play internationally as long as they have their dual citizenship. And so I've been pushing that. We've had you know some of the kids here in the states, mainly Californians, because we're here, that have gotten their dual citizenship. So we just sent one of our girls actually for the women's baseball team they just played in Hong Kong and so one of our girls that's in our program she ended up going and playing with the national team because she got her dual citizenship she got two brothers that are 18 and 15 and then she went um and she's playing for the national team she well, she went to um she just got back but she went to Hong Kong to play so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the women's because uh
1: Little League World Series the Little League uh Softball World Series the team from the Philippines made it yes, and my wife yeah, she's Filipino yeah, she's that. like We, the Philippines have a team and it's weird. She's from the Philippines, my wife. And the thing that kind of blew my mind when you think I've been to the Philippines a bunch of times, you think, uh, basketball, they're obsessed with basketball, obsessed with boxing, boxing and basketball. I had no
0: idea baseball was even on the forefront, even on the radar there. That, that kind of, that's really surprising to me. Yeah. And, um, I didn't really know it either. I mean, and this is the same thing everybody says. The only thing that people remember is when, I don't know if you remember when they sent a team to the little league world series and they got disqualified because they had, <laughs> our players were too old. Yeah. <laughs> so that, unfortunately that's, you know, that's left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, but um it's big. Like we were there. And so this is an awesome story. So I went again, just this January, t- 2023, I took my son, Will, and one of my coaches, Michael Hines. And, and I had been talking for years, like, there's really potential here. There really is. There's some players here. Um, but until they went, uh, they didn't realize it. So we happened to go fly into Manila again and we were planning on doing clinics. And that's why we went. And so we had, went to a place called Tanao, which is in Batangas. I hope I got that right. And they, we were told by Oscar Marcelino, like, this is the place. These kids are passionate. The the community is passionate about baseball. They're that's what they do. And that's what they're known for. And so we came there, um, pouring rain the day we were planning on doing this. And so we're like, oh, "This is this stinks." Because they had like a little field that they were gonna that they practice at. Well, we get there, and Oscar's like, "Don't worry about it. We'll find a place. We'll do it." So speaking of basketball, we ended up in a covered basketball court, outdoor covered basketball court. Um, really, really nice. You know, so so the length of a basketball court with a basketball court. And we ended up getting 60 kids there that day in the rain in the and I'm talking pouring rain. And they showed up. Not they not one of them drove. They walked there or rode their mopeds there just completely committed to being there. And they were the most respectful kids and not and besides that, flat out talented. Like there's just something like I hate to say it, they haven't been overcoached. And mm-hmm. so they just play because they love it. And they can throw, they're physical, they're athletic. It's just they kind of stop developing at certain age, 13, 14 years old, because like you said, all the ones that are athletic where are they going to go play? Mm-hmm. They're play basketball there's a chance for money. they can't to go get scholarships. There's a chance to play professionally over there and so those kids like they get kind of scooped up those really athletic ones and so the ones that are committed to it and keep playing, they got a chance and but there's nothing there like so we ended the we came back two days later, not raining, and we went to the the field that they have, and it's just a dirt, basically a dirt field, both softball baseball use it the batting cage is just run down. So that was then that Will and Mike they're like, "Okay, we want to do this. We want to be involved in this." Even they they already were. But we need to be we need to build facilities there. Like that's the only chance these kids have to get better and, and reach that potential and they just don't have it. And so it was we had a great conversation with um, the, the family there, like they're connected with the mayor of the of the area and they are all in. And I told them. I asked them. I'm like, "What can I do to help? What, you know, how can we make this, you know, a place for you guys to get better working out?" And they just need facilities. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, "Okay, how much is this going to cost? What can we do?" And the guy was telling me, like, this um, basketball place where we were playing was unbelievable. Like, it, it was thunder yeah. and lightning. so we didn't get a drop of rain on us. And I'm thinking to myself, like, here in the states, that that facility probably costs. Three hundred grand because it was—I mean, it was nice concrete—and the guy was telling me, "Oh no, I think we built it in the city for like twenty thousand dollars, you know, for twenty grand." What? And so I'm like, "Okay, if that's the case, then we're going to build you a couple of these because that's nothing." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, you just let us know, and you know, you help us get the money, and we will do this." And so it's been my my secondary, actually my first goal, but one of the goals, and I've been trying to tell everybody doing that I'm doing this is like. I need to you know, start raising money because we do like Mike, Michael Himes <laughs> who's single at time, He was ready to stay. Yeah, of course like, he was. <laughs> I mean, he's all, uh, these kids are awesome. They were so respectful. It was awesome. And he's all, I'm staying. I want to stay. I want to give, I want to teach kids baseball every single day. And, but I said, okay, that's great. But where are you going to do that? We yeah. have no facility here. Uh, what are we going to do? And so it kind of, piqued our interest a little more by going back and seeing that, um, and see how passionate. And the crazy thing is Mike, that that was, they tell me like every single day, like the dads that are there, the baseball dads, 300 kids go up, show up every day, just to work out uh, in this terrible facility. You know, they, we gave them a bunch of gear, um, just use gloves, use cleats, use bats. And they were just ecstatic that we did it. And can you imagine like if we, actually got there and gave them the stuff they needed to get better i mean it would be unbelievable
1: that's what i was going to ask you so the biggest hurdle originally i thought the biggest hurdle was going to be th- these kids aren't passionate about it so i'm wrong with that one
0: yes no uh, we all were we all were and so this is where like i see some of these um whether it's mlb uh, or, or baseball united and who i love you know what they're doing like they're going to places where i think they're starting from scratch uh, whether it's in... Oh, South beyond
1: Africa. scratch. They're going from Saudi Arabia, Sri Lanka, yes. Paxton, when there's no, there's nothing. Yes. There's no, kids don't know how to
0: throw a ball. So in the Philippines, it's huge. Um, It's huge, literally. I mean, that's, it, so it's there. It's all there. And so we just need to kind of, you know, put a flame under there a little bit more and see if we can get this accomplished. But yeah, so what's missing over there is, yeah, the funding and the facilities. You
1: know. And you mentioned the funding. How are you doing funding? What's your long-term plans is building up the Philippines short-term is getting some, um, the fields of funding. How can people help? How can I help? What are you doing about funding?
0: Okay. So, um, well, we're just ho- social media. Um, right now we're doing on a really, really small basis, um, with our, with the people we have in the program here. So I started a nonprofit, it's called Philippines baseball group PBG. Um, and basically what's going with that is we are, we're taking donations whenever we can, um, the parents are really doing, they're, they're doing a, an email campaign right now and trying to raise some money and I'm up front with them. I'm like, um, I, I, I can go back a little bit. Like <laughs> I have a really bad taste in my mouth when it comes to travel organizations and travel baseball mm-hmm. Not because of, I and mean, they're great coaches. They're doing great things with these kids, but it costs these kids so much money here in the States to do this. And so it's I, incredible. I, yeah. It's, I think we're becoming elite a sport that's becoming elite and we're yeah. not allowing those kids that can't afford it. And so I have a real problem charging people to do what we're doing. Unfortunately, I have to yeah. uh, pay for fields. I got to pay for tournaments. I got to pay, you know, as much as my, even my coaches are like, Hey, we're good. We're, we're making money other places. Like let's not charge these kids. And so we're trying to keep it to a minimum. Uh, but, we are also asking them to get support, like go out and you know talk to you know Filipino-owned companies and um, and see if we can get some funding. And so basically, it's that's our biggest thing. Um, I've got some um, some of the parents right now; they're they're helping me. Uh, what's it called a pitch deck. <laughs> I guess that's uh something, you know, um trying to to get fundraising. Okay, uh, okay. a business <laughs> plan. And I'm like, you guys need to help me with whatever cuz that's not my forte. Um I'll do the coaching stuff, but when it comes to business plans, it's not my thing. And so I've got a lot of people helping and they all have great ideas. I just think and this is true about anything. I think once they see like we're moving in the right direction and we are doing it for the right reasons, that I think we'll end up getting a little bit more support, um, funding financially, because um, I, I I get it. Like it looks like, hey, I'm not Filipino, um, mm-hmm. and I'm taking advantage of this by you know bringing in this this Filipino culture and trying to make some money off it. Which of course, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that I'm getting the message across. That that's the last thing I'm trying to do. This is something that by that story I told you about Oscar Marcelino, completely serendipitous. Like there was just, I mean, I wasn't shooting for this and I think it just, the fact that I am married to a Filipina mm-hmm. um, helped a lot. Um, Cause when I went to the Philippines, that was what they kind of said, like, Oh, you want, uh, you know how we think, or you know how, how things work here. And I'm like, you're right. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get what you're doing. Um, so to answer your question, um we, like I said, so it's a it's a non profit um we any donation is great, but more impo- just getting the word out, and hopefully people see that we're doing this for the right reason and so that's one aspect of it, like the Philippines part of it the, in the Philippines building it up, trying to build you know last year, just to give you an example, we had five kids from the Philippines, they came over here and played for us, oh wow, so, okay. Yeah. Um, it was on, they were a couple of them, three of them were uh, under 18, but they also played on my collegiate team. And then we had a couple older ones that played on the collegiate team. And so they just having them see, you know, how much baseball, um, they, they, they said in, in the six weeks or eight weeks they were here, they played more baseball than they had in the past three years. And so not even just because of COVID, they just don't play much baseball. And so that's one of my goals is to have the kids come over here and experience baseball in the States. But then also here, and this is where the parents are, are um, asking me, like, you know, what's in it? It's a, it's a terrible thing. What's in it for us, which is not what they're asking. But what about the kids here in, the, in mm-hmm. the States? Like, what are we doing for them? And why Why should we be involved in this? Well, we're kind of working this part, like, okay, dual citizenship, you might have the chance to play internationally because there's tournaments that go on all the time. Like even this year uh, in in August, we're going to China for the Asian Games. So but, but didn't trying. you guys just win the World Asian Games? It between- uh, was the Southeast Asian Games. Okay. Uh, so it, I don't mean to knock anybody, but the competition is going to be a whole lot better. Yeah, of course, Japan, of course. Japan, Korea. And so we're trying to get some of our kids over here, um, some of our, our pro guys that have their passports to go play in that. But also, so these kids here in the, in the or in the in the U.S., we are treating it like a travel organization where we're developing them. We are promoting them. We want to see them get off to that four year university or the junior college universe, you know uh, level, and so with all of our experience as far as all my coaches are college or pro guys, that's what we're doing for them so if you don't have the opportunity to play um at the at the in the international level like you can't maybe you can't get your your dual citizenship, we're still trying to promote phil and players like hey let's get them to to whatever just to keep playing and so we would like we we're trying to keep them when they're 13 and 14 and 15, all the way up into through the college ranks is we have teams here. Now we've got three teams in SoCal, 16U, 18U. We've got a collegiate team. So we have four. And then NorCal has got a bunch of teams. Um, We've got teams from in Hawaii that's coming to play. Um, So yeah, no, we're, we're trying to kind of do it on a couple fronts and we have a couple missions, if you will. Um, Not just, just in the Philippines, but here as well.
1: What big league plays do they all look up to?
0: Is it Darno? Are they big Volpe guys now? or no! Oh yeah, that was a huge one. Um, they definitely that that made an impact. I and mean, even my son is like, "Yeah, we got to get Volpe <laughs> involved in this thing um, somehow, some way." Um, but no, Darno, you know, Chase was, has been awesome. Um, he he come out, he's come out and come to our clinics, wow. um, helped out, and um, so he's one of them. A lot of them don't even know that some of them are Filipino. And so we're trying to do that too. Uh, we're trying to get as many guys to know like who was who, um, like Dusty Baker's son. Um, you know, he's half Filipino. Mm-hmm. So we try to promote that on our, on our social media, all the fil- half Filipinos or Filipino players that are in the big leagues or, or the minor leagues. So, and what's crazy, Mike, is that, um, so we thought we were going again this year to the world baseball classic qualifier. For some other re- for some reasons we got kicked out, but I put that roster to it cause I had two years. We ended up having a phenomenal team. Um, cause I had people starting to reach out for, to me like agents. Hey, my guys half Filipino. He wants to play on the team. He's in triple a throwing 96. All right. He's in, um, I got, you know, Hey, this guy's in double um, a, we had a first rounder from Georgia tech last year. Um Shoot. I can't remember his name. He's a local kid. First rounder from Georgia tech was a Filipino kid. And so, there's a lot of them that are starting to make names for themselves, and obviously Volpe is 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 huge because that's New York, man. He's a starting shortstop for New York. Um, people are going to know who he is.
1: Have you had? Because you said agents have players reached out to you from the Philippines, like, "Hey, I'm Filipino. Can I play?" Can like because you probably piqued interest. Let's be honest, a white dude, California, coaches college. You have players, like you said, you, you can name Darno, and even though Tebow was going to play, those are names. Are they reaching out to you now, like, "Hey, coach, can I get involved?"
0: Totally. Um, uh-huh. every day, um, we're getting guys to reach out to us. Um, and man, Will has been, and one of these days we're going to have to get him on this thing too. Yeah, no um, doubt. Yeah. Um, he's done a great job. You know, those younger kids are obviously better on social media than me. And so we have some younger guys taking care of that, but no, every day somebody reaches out to us, um, Hey, I want to be involved. I want to be involved. Um, and so it's been great. Um, uh, we haven't even had to really go out and search for guys because there's more than we think. Yeah. And a lot of them, <laughs> here's a great, here's a funny story. So, um, uh, so obviously I went to the Philippines in 20, my entire team where I coach at Pierce knew that I was doing this. And so I would throw it out there like, Hey, are any of you Filipino? Um, because that's what we're <laughs> going to be doing. Um, literally a year and a half into this process, one of my players finally said to me, Hey coach, I'm Filipino. Uh, I said, you knew I've been doing this for two years. Why wouldn't you tell me that from the get-go? He's all, I don't know. I just, I wasn't sure. My grandmother was, I, he he just didn't know. Uh, and he gave me everything. Like he gave me her passport. Um, and so I had proof of it. And so he's still playing. Um, he's with my collegiate team this summer. Um, but he played with me for basically three or four years because of COVID. You know, we got cut in the, in the middle yeah. there. But it was funny. And so it happens all the time. Um, even coaches. Last year or two years ago, we are playing Oxnard Junior College. And um, I, I and everybody, every coach I t- I play, hey, are your kids Filipino? Let me know. Because then they know now they know that I am yeah. coach. And so when it first started, I said to the guy, hey, you got any um, Filipinos on your team? Oh, I don't think I do. I don't even know. So he yells out, hey, who's Filipino? Um, and so one of them goes, yeah, it stayed. And the kid had like eight hits against us in three games. And I'm like the best guy on your team. You didn't know lot. he was Filipino. So he's actually been playing with me for two years now on the collegiate team. Yeah, you have to ask because most of them do not know. No,
1: you mentioned going to China. Describe what that's about because you're going to China. You're playing against, and that's in the Asian Cup. Uh, are you guys practicing? Because I'm I'm assuming your whole team's not together, right? So, must, is that difficult?
0: No, um, so with that one, you know, the team that 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 won the Southeast Asian Games, there's yes. going to obviously be some of them, um, and then we're trying to strengthen our pitching staff. I think more than anything. So there's a few kids here that are whether they're former pro guys even some guys that are current minor league guys, we're going to see if they can, if we can get them their dual citizenship. Um, We have some that already have. And so they're going to play. And now I don't, the thing is I don't want to, Hey, we're going to send the entire Phil am team. If we have, that's not what we're doing. Like we want the Philippines national players to do it. We're trying to build them up, but we would like to mesh in some other guys that can help out. And so it would be great um, on my end, if we can get, maybe five or six of our guys to play in that. Um, and they're all for it. Like the leadership of Paba, they they're all for it. Like they felt like they could handle themselves at the Southeast Asian games with the the national. And obviously they did. They won every mm-hmm. game 10 or 15 runs. Um, but they're a little more concerned with the talent level at the Asian game. So we're going to do what we can. So my, I think what's going to happen is whoever ends up getting their dual citizenship. We'll go over there a couple of weeks prior and then you know practice a little bit, get the team together, and then head on over. Like that's my dream is that you know every tournament that we play in internationally, we have some Phil and players that are involved in it because that that keeps these kids focused and and wanting to play. And motivated, together. yeah, totally. And it's it's not just senior players. Like we can do eighteen U, fifteen U, it's all twelve U. They all play internationally.
1: I have a question, a coaching question, because you you played with players who made the show who just missed it. Who should have made it what separates that thing because I know it's a very small very very small like you know it's centimeters of who's gonna be a star who just missed it what do you think
0: separates the two um commitment and discipline that's about it honestly the talent level again there's 10% of the guys in the uh, in the minor leagues that they're gonna make it no matter what they're that talented. Yeah. And then there's the 10% at the bottom that there's no chance they're going to make it. It's those 80% in the middle that try to, you know, which ones are the most committed, which one, the most dedicated, which ones are the most disciplined. And if they can get up every day and get their work in and get in the gym and eat right, those are the kids that are usually going to make it because there's not a huge difference in talent level. Once you get to that point. Um, And this is the same thing I tell my guys at the juice JC level. Like there's nothing different between you and the guy playing Division One baseball right now, he may have, may have peaked physically a little bit earlier than you, but there's no reason why you don't have the same opportunity to get there. And so if you can stay focused and you can stay disciplined and you can get your work done, you're going to have that opportunity. Um, and that's what's great about our level, like the JC level. And this is what exactly the same message I'm telling the kids and the Phil- the Philippines kids here and there. Um, put in the work and just stay committed and keep doing what you're doing. And then you'll you'll get that opportunity. Um, you know, they, as they say, um, what was that famous line in Moneyball? There's always a point where somebody tells you you can't play anymore. Let's just hope it's later rather than <laughs> um And so I tell him that. I said, just keep playing and, and keep staying disciplined, and, and you'll get an opportunity. Like we've had guys, my son being the perfect example. Um, I know I sound like I'm bragging, but he had no division one offers coming out of high school played basketball, which was awesome. You know, Filipino had to play his basketball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was good. Uh, he, but he also knew that he was five six foot on a good day. His chance of, of making playing division one baseball or uh, division one sport was baseball. So he gave up basketball, started playing baseball. I mean, he played in high school, but he came for me. And after two years, because he put the work in and ended up getting that division one offer. Wow. And kept playing. And we have a ton of guys like that where nothing out of high school, come to the junior college level, get your work in, get bigger, get physical, get stronger, get your academics in order. And somebody will give you an opportunity. Like we have a kid that pitched for me, um, left-handed pitcher and ended up getting into UC Irvine division one. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was just okay, but because he did his academics and got into UC Irvine and got admitted, he ended up making the team. And this year set a record of appearances in a row. Like he's pitched in 13 straight games this year for UC Irvine. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the key.
1: Going back to the Philippines, when you went there, you said, I want this, this, and this. Have you seen progress? Because, like, hey, this is what I want. Is it easy? to Listen, it's easy. You know what you want to see. You coach here. You coach with everybody, you know? Is yeah. it, you, you go in there, you, you have a vision, you have a mission, you have a long-term, short-term plan. Are you seeing progress there? Like, okay, I want this being built or not yet?
0: Um, no, nothing's being built. Um, I think a lot of that, it, things are happening, don't get me wrong. So the leadership there, one thing they did do is they brought us over. And so we're show, they're showing that they're committed to us. Um, they've flown me over there twice. Um, you know, My son and my other coach went there. And then right now we have another one of my coaches, Vince Segisi. Um, Who has been in this since day one? He actually is Filipino. One of my few coaches that is. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get a few of them in there. Um, anyway, so he went to. Um, they flew him out there in February, stayed all of February, came home, and then they wanted him to come back. And so he's been there since all since April. Wow. And he went to he went to Hong Kong with the women, and he went to uh, Bangkok with the men, and so he's been kind of a. I mean, he's coaching, but almost more of a consultant. Um, Hey, this is what we, how we need to do things. And so he's happier with the way things are going. It's just, it's going to take a while until, you know, everybody kind of understands like, Hey, if you want to be good at this, this is the commitment you need to make. And it's not just showing up every day. It's, you got to spend a little money. Um, USA baseball has probably more money than they know what to do with. And you can see the difference obviously. And I think that, um, so yes, I haven't really seen it, but the last time we went over, They're talking more about, hey, we need to build facility, we need to do this, we need to do that. Um, It's just basketball is king, and so if we had a basketball program, (laughs) we could get whatever we wanted. It's just a tough sell. They want to see where this is going, and so I think a lot of this has to come from our end over here. Like I'm pretty sure, like if I'm not pretty sure, I know for sure. Hey, I've got X amount of dollars here. I want to come over here and I want to build a facility in A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. I want to build it in uh, Tanawan. I want to build it in Los Baños. I want to build it in Laguna. My wife is from Cebu. Like, I would love to build a facility in Cebu. Um, and so I think if we came and said, okay, this is what we're doing, they would greet us with open arms. I do. I don't think there's any friction. And I know there's no friction yeah. because of our relationship with Papa.
1: Now, let me ask you, we, we talked about it previously, but how can, you're saying donate, how can we do that? Are there websites? What, what um, can we do yeah. to donate? Uh, yeah, that's the thing.
0: We do. Well, we have, well, you, I sent you the link for the um, the, the store. The merch, by, yeah, which is great. Merch. Yeah, yeah um, I, I don't even know if I have that, but um, that's one way. That's we're not making a ton of money with that, but that one's it's cool. We'll put that together. My son put that all together and we've already had a bunch of people buy stuff. I don't know if you did. I know. I of course it, I did. Yeah. The East coast people buy stuff. So we thought maybe that was you. Uh, <laughs> um
1: Yeah. But I'm going to tweet out the link and everything too. So. Okay.
0: Awesome. Um So yeah, my, the organization is called Philippines Baseball Group Inc. Um, Like I said, it's a, it's a nonprofit and it, the, probably the best way is to contact me. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's through my email at coach at philippinesbaseball.org um or just reaching out to me by phone. Um that's probably the best way. I, I love I would love to get in front of people and explain to them like what our passion is. Um I, I'm not a big salesman. I'm a terrible recruiter by the way. Um unless I really <laughs> unless I really believe in something. And this one I believe in. Like I don't feel like we're you know trying to take advantage of anything or trying to make money off of it. I really we all feel the same way. All of our coaches, like we all have the same vision. We see. I, I mean, to be honest with you, one of my biggest vision is I want to see a professional league in the Philippines. Like I believe it can totally support it, um, and I I see it as um, similar to how they do football in in England or Germany, or mm-hmm. you know, you got one team. One, it's at, at a city. And they build these kids up and then they, you know, they have a professional team. And I would love to see that. Like, hey, let's bring these kids into these academies. Start them when they're eight years old or ten years old, you know, educate, um, you know, whatever. They're all, all they all go to school, so that's not for that main team. And they have teams all over the Philippines. I I think that would be amazing. I do.
1: You actually said you're a bad recruiter. I gotta be honest. I have a gazillion athletes on here, and this is the truth, coach. When I talk about their playing career, that's when they're passionate. When I talk to like behind me, I think it's Schilling and Howard Johnson. I'm talking about their um, playing career. They're all animated. And I'm like, oh, let's talk about what you're plugging. It's like, oh, yeah. So uh, I'm plugging so-and-so. You're the yeah. opposite. You downplayed your playing career and you, your face lit up. And you got like so hyped up. You got me hyped up about like really that your passion was the Filipino baseball when you talked about it. So that's – so you yeah. are a good salesman because you're selling me on it. And you're right. When you think Asian baseball, like you think Taiwan, Korea, Japan, China – you yeah. never think the Philippines ever it's cause it's probably blanket in there with Malaysia, Cambodia, right. uh, Thailand, like all that. So yeah. the fact that they have players and stuff that really, I'm telling you, they're really, really surprising me, man. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, um, I, I, that man, when I went in 20, that's when it hit me like, okay, this is something that I think we could really, cause we, we had a workout at that Rizal stadium and 120 kids showed up and, and it was great. It's unbelievable. And even some of the coaches, You've been you've obviously been to the Mm -hmm. Philippines. It ain't easy getting around. No, no. Uh, (laughs) You can live 20 minutes away (laughs) and it could take you three hours to get there. And so some of these coaches, they're driving their motorcycles two hours each way to come to practice. And so everybody that's baseball players there are committed to it. They really are. Um, They're passionate about it and they want to see it succeed. Um, I just don't know if that trickles over to the common person. Cause mm-hmm. it's, we, we, we went to one of the basketball games. We were there. It's unbelievable. It's like going to a Laker game. Yeah. The PBA know. No, it's um, th- This it's superstars unreal. out there. Yeah. yeah. It's unreal. Um, now are we ever going to get to that level? Probably not in baseball, but I think in each town, there will be that, um, commitment to community and we will get people involved if it's at in certain places. Um, so yeah, I, um, I do think that it can definitely happen there. I really do. Um, I don't think there's a, the only again the only thing holding us back is can we do this through funding um, because we talk about it. Um, we just we, we just actually just went up to uh, Northern California yesterday um, I drove up on Saturday and I drove back yesterday I flew one of my coaches up for the day it's like a long commute um, he flew up for one for you know on, a, on an hour flight and then flew home but we had a clinic there twenty five of our kids came out and worked out and it's just getting or getting more mem- momentum and we do, we just don't want it to. Fizzle out and just have it here. Like, I really want it to happen there. I, 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 this, this year alone, um, in the summer in June, Vince, I was telling you about, he's bringing 18 kids to come here and stay with us for six weeks. Um, but they're probably the ones that can afford it. Yeah. Like, I want to be able to create that scholarship fund. Okay. Hey, let's go get this kid that doesn't have this opportunity and let's bring him over here and he can stay with us for the entire summer. We can develop him and, and send him back and be a better baseball player or, God, even, you know, come here and stay like one of the kids that played with me on that summer team last year. um, His name is Aegon Devera. Phenomenal player Like could have played here in our collegiate level. No problem, but just couldn't afford to stay like I would have loved for him to play with for me at Pierce. And but he went back home, you know, had a full scholarship to LaSalle University, which is amazing. Yeah. And um, but I think a lot of them want to see if they can have that opportunity to come here and play in the States. And so I'd love to create that, too. Hey, we've got a scholarship for these wow. kids to come over here and play for us here in the States, whether it's you know, junior college, which is probably the best route for them, um, just to get that experience here in the U.S.
1: I've had you on for an hour. you ready to finish up with a few quick hit questions? Oh, my gosh.
0: I don't see if I can think that fast. But, yes, let's go.
1: You and I at a bar here in New York City. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you text them, they would text you back? You got a name drop here.
0: God, I wish I could say it was Tebow, but I've been trying to text him for the past few months, and he doesn't get back to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm trying to get him back to back in the fold on this thing. Um, who do I have in here? It might be it might be um, Darno. I mean, Darno's usually really really good about getting back. And Darno's a definitely.
1: good one. A Mets, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I have some friends in the acting world, but nothing big, mostly stuntmen. So uh-huh. I don't know if they're that famous where I could say, hey, you know, you would know, you would know what movies they were been, been in, but, you know, I don't know if you know who they are.
1: I'll take T Bow and Darnell. That's a good answer. How about this? I know you have, I see some bulls behind you. You have your
0: own cards. Coolest piece of memorabilia that you own? Oh, that's easy. Um, well, I got a Ted Williams bat, which is awesome. My dad oh, got that for me. When, wow. when I graduated. Assigned signed it. Um, but I have um, a a card. Where is it? You would love this one. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a card, a, a postcard filled out to me from Don Mattingly. Wow. Um, he was my favorite player growing okay. up. Okay. Yeah, where is it? How how did you get that? How do you fill it out to you? So, um, I had family that lived in Evansville, mm-hmm. and so we went to his restaurant there, and they knew that I I. You know, obviously loves and he wasn't there. Unfortunately, I went in the office. And he wasn't at the restaurant, which really disappointed me. Um I also had a I had a um, a menu from that place, too. And I don't know where that's at. But they so they got it for me. He used to be right here. I got to go. My office is a mess, obviously. <laughs> uh, and so he signed it. Hey, you know, signed my name to it and said, you know, put some stuff on there. But it was uh, it was a uh, Lou Gehrig postage stamp. Obviously first base, you know, and so he wrote that out. So I have that. So that's probably. That's a great, that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. That thing was awesome. One sporting event in history.
1: You wish you could have witnessed live. You could be front row at any sporting event in the history of sports. What game, what match, what fight would it be? <laughs>
0: God, I got I really wish I was at that Dodger game when Gibson hit that home run. Oh, okay. Um, I'm Wolf- not. Wolf- the or Silly, right? Yes. Um, Today, I mean, even today watching that again, I'm not even a Dodger fan, which is unfortunate. I'm a pirate fan through and through, which is sad. Um, And I have a Willie Stargell ball back there someplace, too. But um, I would have to say that would have been pretty awesome to sit there and watch that whole thing unfold. And the way he came up to the plate. But what would stink about being there is that you wouldn't have heard Vince Scully and, and his, you know, talking about it. So that part was awesome. So I would say that one, though, that, that Red Sox home run, um, from, um, No, uh, str- no, 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 no. Um, the shortstop, the walk-off. Oh my God. It's terrible. I can't remember. Wasn't it Red Sox, Yankees? Bill Bazarowski? No, no, no. Before, after that, um, nuts. I'm trying to think to Shortstop. Little guy. Shouldn't hit a home run. P- Pedroia? No, no, he played, he played well, second. Off.
1: That's terrible. I can't remember. It's a famous. No, I'm movie. trying to think now. I'm trying to. Oh, Bucky
0: Dent. Bucky Dent. Bucky Dent. <laughs> October second, nineteen seventy-eight. Of course. That, that's a great one. That would have been a good one too. That would have been a good one. Uh, but I mean, I love that. Like I, I we flew out to um, to New York just to go to Yankee Stadium before they tore it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought $5 bleacher seats for a hundred bucks. I flew my wife, we, we flew into DC and I, cause I couldn't get a ticket to New York. I flew to DC and drove all the way up to New York. Um, I had, you know, my eight year old in tow. And so we ended up doing that, uh, which I'm very, very glad I did. I would have been very disappointed in myself if I didn't get a chance to see Yankee Stadium before they tore it down. Oh, so. that's one last thing. What made you a pirates fan? That's random. So it is random, completely random. Um so back in the day here in LA, they had a minor league team called the Hollywood Stars. Um okay. and I never went, but my dad did. Um he, when he was younger, he used to go to the minor league games and they were a, a a Pittsburgh pirate affiliate. So he became a pirate fan. And so every game that we went to, Dodger game, was always against the pirates. Um and so you know, Willie Stargell, um Parker. And so watching that nineteen seventy nine World Series where they came back and you know beat the Orioles being down three to one. Mm-hmm. I kind of just stuck with them all these years. Um and I it's weird because like I have nothing against the Dodgers and I loved going to Dodger games. Like just seeing them run out to their field their their uniforms are just so white and Ron Say and Bill Russell and Davey Lopes and Steve Gar I mean it's really stupid of me that they're not <laughs> my favorite because <laughs> They, I mean, they, that's as iconic as it gets. And I don't know, I just stuck with them. And then when my kids were born, my first one, I, I needed to pick a local one. And so I went with the Angels. Um, I just didn't want to go back against the, not being a Dodger fan. So we ended <laughs> up picking the Angels and we got lucky, you know, they won it in 2002. And so that, that part was good. So we're, we're, you know, Angel fans as
1: well. Two more questions. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you threw out some names, Van Poppel, uh, Giambi. Best player you ever played against or seen play?
0: I thought one of the best players I ever, I'm going to take it from college. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's more like there with me. There's so many in, in the minor leagues, man, you, you play so many teams and God, you forget. Um, uh, it was in junior college playing the big league, Brett Barbie Um, <laughs> so I played against him in junior college. Um, he was a shortstop, our second baseman for the Cerritos college. And we played them. They were kind of our rivals when I was at college of the canyons. And, he was just a guy that I watched play that I knew was going to make the big leagues, just the way he went about it and how good he was. And, you know, he went on to USC and had a great career. And then he got, you know, we ended up with, um, I can't remember, but Brett, Brett Barbie, um, If he ever sees this, he's going to go, What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> he was the one guy that I remember most from college, for sure. And to see him make it didn't surprise me one bit, not one bit. Just switch hitter, just was was awesome. Just the way he went about was awesome. And then the other guy that I remember, um, I never played against him, but I watched him play. Was Tori Lovello, unbelievable player in in college uh, at UCLA. Just he wasn't very big, and I think he hit twenty eight home runs or something at UCLA. Some crazy. I saw him hit a ball off the parking structure at USC one time. Just it was unbelievable watching him play. But yeah, Barbie was the one guy I played against that I thought was going to be going to be good.
1: And last question, the most important one, favorite Filipino dish?
0: (laughs) Well, it's got to be lumpia. Um, (laughs) um, I I hate to say this, and my wife's going to kill me. So she doesn't cook much. Um, It was my um, mother-in-law. Join the club. Join the club, yeah. She passed away a few years ago, but um, she was the one that cooked adobo um, and the lumpia and the empanadas. And, you know, she made these things – they were like uh, bread balls with sesame on them. I don't even oh, know yeah.
1: like all the, oh, the I know. Those are incredible. I know those exactly. Those yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but I would say that um, that Lumpia was probably be the best one. And then um, but we, young before, like when her parents were still alive, we'd have parties at their house all the time. And, you know, and all my friends would be invited. And they as soon as they saw the, the lechon in the middle of this, the they show, go crazy. Yeah. they were like, what are we, you know, it's a little odd, but then you start eating it and you realize how good it is. So, um, no, I, I have completely embraced it. My dad, same thing. My dad loves, you know, the the Filipino food whenever we, mm-hmm. whenever we have it, it's not as much as we used to, but, um, no, it's, um, it's, it's a wonderful, as you know, it's a wonderful culture and wonderful people. Um, and I'm proud to be a part of it.
1: Coach, this was an absolute blast. I'm going to plug this site, see everything we can do with Filipino baseball and what you're doing is just so cool. We'll have your son, Will, on soon because then we'll do the social media. We'll start plugging everything where we can do it. He, and um,
0: He would give you all the rundown on the social media stuff for sure. He's much better at it than I am. We'll,
1: we'll definitely do that, and then we'll end the podcast here. This was a blast.